I feel like what helped us in the beginning, I'll give a tip is, we used to do something called Follower Friday, where we would actually post some of our followers on our page. And it just used to really make them feel seen and excited. And I think that's what really helped us to build a community in the first place. And um, yeah, so I'd, I'd advise that for anyone who's just starting out. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. We've had a lot of great guests on the program to talk about the origin story of their products. And what we've got today is a fine addition to that collection with Shannon Fitzsimmons and her innovative approach to hair care. Being a UK entrepreneur, we also get to focus a great deal on how the USA influences and informs her decisions. Shannon Fitzsimmons, it's good to have you here on Ecomotics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm good. Thank you. I'm happy to have you here and I'm happy to be able to continue on with um, learning more about, I mean, I get to learn from pretty much every niche uh, on the planet. We've had to talk to people in candles and skincare, had a previous hair expert on, which I made sure to link you to just so you can get a sense of like where my experience uh, is uh, at this point. And we have another uh, hair expert on today. The first clues that I wanted to give to our audience, but usually it is to my guests to uh, answer the question. So here goes. Tell us what you do and what you're up to these days. Yeah, um, so I am a curly hair blogger. I give advice on my curly hair page, UK Curly Girl, and YouTube channel, um, on Instagram, on how to transition from really damaged hair to get your natural curls. And I'm also the owner of the brand Oso oh Curly, which is a hair tools and accessories brand. To my audience, just so that they know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I, I totally obsess over hair, but I definitely prioritize making sure that my hair is in is in decent shape i it it, 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 it is a value to me and and, we, and we've established in the past the importance of being able to convey convey that image and but you said you know transitioning from from damaged hair to you know something that's you know uh, less damaged and, and repaired and, and and luxurious but i don't actually know how does one identify that their hair is damaged i mean there's obvious like if you know somebody was a little too close to a candle, but uh, how would how how does somebody actually know if their hair is damaged? Yeah, um, so a lot of people with curly hair, and they tend to straighten it just because they feel like they don't know how to deal with their natural curls, and that results in a lot of dryness in the hair. A lot of the times, the ends of the curls are just straight because of the straight the heat damage. Um, so I have a lot of people come to me that don't know how to merge the two textures the damage and the, the, the new growth coming in and then also they have problems with dryness which is normal for people with curly hair but if your hair is damaged it's even more you know harder for it to get moisture back into it so that's usually how you can tell i i was obsessed with that in high school because i had uh, much longer hair and uh i i think i think for me some of it has to do with um you know what what we're influenced by like um for me reservoir dogs was a big influence and that's and they're all like professional well criminals that part didn't influence me uh at least not too much <laughs> but for the most part you know they're they slick their hair back and it's all uh coiffed and um and, and there's probably a lot of gel involved and people people want to emulate that uh, you know other people want to emulate something more expressive and i'm like no i love this businessman kind of cut that's that's my kind of style and i couldn't do it 
and so I, I was trying to, uh, I would, I would run into the washroom and I would like drench my hair and I would try to comb it and I would have this Aww. freaky part in the middle. And I'm like, man, I just, <laughs> I, no wonder I, I'm not getting dates. Like it was just really, really difficult Aww. to, to, to make peace with my hair. And I like, if I couldn't figure this out, I'm not, I can't figure the rest of it out. I mean, I finally worked out a, a system and I'm actually going to throw it into the crucible because I'm curious to know if I'm actually doing like a lot of harm with this. So uh, here we go. So I like I like some curl. If I don't do anything, then it just it goes into uh, Einstein mode. Um, so usually what I do is I, I warned my audience about this, didn't I? So so after after the shower, towel dry, uh, leave in conditioner, and then I just use some gel on the sides, only a little bit, just to keep the sides from going haywire. And then I put a hat on. Uh, and what I do is I try to warm my hair, almost like I'm baking it, and if I do it in the, in the night, it's a bad idea because if I roll over my sleep, the hat falls off or, you know, I get heat stroke. But if I do it during the day, you know, six to seven hours later, I take my hat off and my hair is, it's not only is it dry, but it's set. And, and, and I actually get really close to the, to the look that I've uh, wanted to achieve. And then the curls kind of come in little by little. They start to overtake the, the work done. And so it doesn't get too out of hand. So I've always felt like, okay, this is, this is taking a lot of work. But I, I'm just wondering if any of what you said is raising a red flag. Um, it's actually not, but I feel like you could probably make it easier just by using a diffuser. I don't know if you've heard of that before. It's basically like a round head that you attach to your hairdryer and then you just dry your curls upwards and it's going to do exactly what you're saying the, the hat does because it's just going to dry it and bring some warmth and then it should set the curls. So I would probably just save some time and do that. Yeah, worth a shot. I, I'm, I, I'm just relieved that I wasn't like, no, oh my God, you're, you're, you're increasing your chances of, uh, of liver failure or something like that. Like I was actually <laughs> genuinely worried about that. So, all right. Uh, so let's. <laughs> I just want to get that out of my system. So I, I appreciate your expertise. You have a core product. It's the, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a satin pillowcase. And a lot of the products that we talk about on the program, and again, I, I mentioned our, our candle maker, our skincare maker. Um, they always start with an issue that the seller, in this case you, is finding is not going solved. So let's let's go back to that point. What problem were you having, and what was it about you know a satin pillowcase that managed to resolve this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I always struggled growing up, especially um, being mixed race and having mainly family of like Europe, from Europe, Scotland, so straight hair. And I would go and stay at family houses or friends' houses and. I would wake up with my hair just a frizz bomb because they didn't know how to look after my hair. Back in, in those days in the UK, there were hardly any products for like my hair type. So it was always frizzy, always dry. And then when I managed to go to university, YouTube was just, just getting quite popular. So I decided to research how to actually look after curly hair. It sounds so basic, but we just weren't taught this. And a lot of the girls from America were saying that a satin pillowcase just transformed their hair and made it so much easier to manage. So I decided to try it. I didn't have a satin pillowcase, but I had a satin scarf. So I tied it around my pillow to try and keep it secure. And I woke up, I, I still remember that day, I woke up the next morning and my hair was just so like tamed and still curly and still moisturized. And it completely transformed my hair's health. And at the time I was kind of looking for a business idea. I was already blogging about hair, but I really wanted to own something of my own. So that automatically was 
you know, the, the closest thing I could think of, but I also, I also wanted to be different. So whatever I invent has to be something different than what's typically sold on the market. So I remembered when I tied that scarf around my pillow and how tight it was. And a lot of satin pillowcases, they just zip up at the side, but it slips and slides when you're like sleeping on it and there's a lot of room. So I thought, how about if it was like a huge bonnet and fit around the pillow really tightly and had like an elastic lining? And um, yeah, that that's where the idea came from, really. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to uh, continue on with this. So with the uh, the development process and uh, I, I, I when, when you said bonnet, I immediately imagined that it was uh, string based. So I would tie it in a, in a tight knot and then put that underneath and just hope it's not really warm because, you know, like it's warm. You turn the pillowcase over the cold side. Uh, so did you just come to that uh, elastic idea or was there some troubleshooting that took place beforehand? And um, no, it just came to me. Yeah, I think especially because bonnets are good as well and I do sell bonnets, but I find that sometimes they can fall off as well and then you're just left with the cotton pillowcase and your bonnet at the end of the bed, which isn't good at all. <laughs> right. Well, okay. And and going into into the next step, um, so, so one thing that I think is an important factor in this is that you have a, um, a blog as well where you're, you're sharing information and, and receiving information too. I, I believe that the... Um, the, the, the ladies from the UK, or not from the UK, from the US, that informed you about this, they were connected to you by way of your blog, if I'm understanding it correctly? Yeah, yeah. So we'll touch on that, because I think that's an, another important through line, too, is that what I've noticed is with a lot of the uh, product manufacturers that we talk to, they tend to have a presence already, and that presence helps to inform them that, um, actually, well, in your case, you said you were looking for business, but a lot of times what happens is it doesn't occur to them to even get into a business. It's just a lot of people are like, please give this to us. It will give you money. So, uh, so, so, so we'll factor that in. But the next part that I want to know about is um, getting into the manufacturing process. So there's a level you're starting at when you started making this. And then I guess there's a the level that you're at now. So what do those two uh, pillars look like when you had to start making it? Um, were you uh, importing the pro- product, putting the final touches together? Did you have a, did you get in touch with the supplier to, and you instructed them? So how does it work? Yeah. So um, in the beginning, because obviously mine is unique, there was nothing like that on the market. I couldn't even buy it from a supplier. I checked on Alibaba, couldn't find it there. So I actually had to contact a seamstress, a local seamstress in the area who made satin wedding dresses because I thought at least she's an expert in satin. So I brought a stapled sample that I, cause I can't sew. So I stapled it together, cut it out how I think it should be and met her in person and asked, can you do this? And it took her about five tries to get it right. And then went ahead with her and I'd buy like a few a week if, if that at that time. And then eventually now how I do it is I have a manufacturer just outside of London who makes them in bulk for me. So completely different it started off very small very humble beginnings yeah and 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 it's always um encouraging to see if that you know that humility uh beginning at that beginning because i think that as that expands you know the the gratitude of what people share with you and they're so happy about what uh what effect it's having on them there's another uh, aspect of this too i guess i'm wondering about this is getting very uh, specific in regards to it but um what's been the the the, the longevity on these is this a, a buy for life product or is this something that you have to cycle through every 3 or 4 years 
I, I don't know what Saturn is capable of. <laughs> well, a, lo- a lot of customers have said that theirs has lasted a few years. Um, but I find that I have a lot of repeat customers. So I'm not sure if they're buying for friends and family or because we offer quite a few different color options. I think they may be trying out the different colors or, you know, sometimes people have four pillows on their bed. Maybe they just want one for every single pillow. So, um, yeah, but they should last you a few years. Definitely. I mean, I have mine. I've got some of mine that I first ever made samples that I still use to this day. Yeah. And I guess I can also see too, if um, somebody just wants to rotate between them uh, rather than have to overuse one. And so there's just, okay, well, you know, if I think if you, the more you have, the longer all of them last because each of them has more, has more downtime. Okay. So like I like I mentioned, I got curly hair myself. I generally don't know if I'm gonna go ahead and order a satin pillow. I'm not. You I haven't should. ruled it out completely. But so my my overall question is: um, Have you had much luck in in marketing to men? It, it seems like it's kind of difficult for for guys to really want to uh, commit to uh, to this kind of product line um, uh, versus ladies. So I'm just curious about your experience in that realm. I've had a few men and I feel like the men come from their like wives or partners and they realize how it's helped to them and then they test it out. It actually helps me. But I am thinking of like creating a men's line just so it's more marketed to men um, directly and maybe change the colors and branding. But um, yeah, it's, all my customers are mainly female, maybe like 10% men. Yeah. Well, it, it gets into, I think, a, a deeper, you know, psychological and cultural issue, which is, you know, just encouraging men to uh, be be open minded about something like this. I think for me, even one of the limiting factors is is satin. I've always related satin as a as a feminine product. It even mm. sounds feminine. And so I, I think part of it is 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 the material. I, I don't know if how is it possible that other there might be another material that's more uh, male friendly? Um, no, I mean, you could have silk, but I steer away from silk because it's not vegan and I like to stick with satin and silk is quite expensive as well. So I like to go with a more affordable option for the customers. Well, and and again, you know, uh, speaking as a a guy, I don't know if, um, if silk uh, would come across any more masculine anyways. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's a, it's a trick, it's a tricky issue. And, um, before, before I move on to the next question, I'm just wondering if, uh, you know, if, you, if you've had any other um, insights uh, on, on this issue, and, and, and I don't just mean specifically on um, uh, your particular product and your particular brand, but what you what we've been what you've observed more in, in aggregate in, you know, where where is the line between men not wanting to look like crap, not wanting to look, you know, uh, abysmal and, and being and being open minded about this me, I've, I don't know, I just I kind of care, but n- not all that much. Like I said, I was using straighteners. I use conditioners. I'll I'll, I'll do what it takes. Uh, but I'm also um, uh, like a what's referred to as metrosexual. You know, we we were you know born and raised in the city, very much more the gentlemanly vibe rather than like the the log cutter vibe. So, anyways, that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So just go, to go back to the question, have I'm you sorry. is there have you observed anything more in like the broad sense? So again, not just specific to your product, but even in other products that other people are marketing to just to, to you know to help convince men that these are the problems that they do need solving. Yeah. Um so for example, we sell a shampoo brush and I've had quite different uses. So so I usually market it for massage and oils into your scalp and for getting rid of dandruff and stuff. But men that have actually used it have found it really good for the beard. Um, they've also, 
I've had boards, partners of some of my customers that have just enjoyed having a massage to their to their scalp. And then also if you, I know a lot, a lot of men like waves, so it can be used to encourage that wave in the hair and that curl. So um, I, I personally haven't gone out of my way just yet to market directly to men, but I do know how I could do that. It would just mean getting some male models or male influencers and I can definitely tell them what to do more to them to the men side of um, the market well I, I mean if um door is always open by the way so you know <laughs> this is not like your, your one and only chance so you know when when you get to that point you're always welcome to come back and, and let us know how things are going thank you uh, in that um, the, the other part, so one thing you touched on is, you know, people from the uh, the U.S., they were providing uh, some insight into this. And, and that was a question that I had prepped. So I'm, I'm, uh, I, I can kind of see where, uh, where the logic of that question was going. So the question was, you know, the USA, it does tend to have a great deal of influence on marketing and on branding. Um, and, and I don't talk to people from the U.K. as much as I talk to, you know, people from the West. Um, so from the point of view of somebody in the U.K., uh, how much uh, resonance does the inf- does the U.S. have uh, in influencing on a cultural level, on a marketing level, on a on a business level? And um, I I want to know about your unique point of view, being from the U.K. It is huge, huge. Like I said in the beginning, when I needed advice for hair, I typed it into YouTube. It was all Americans. Um, which actually encouraged me to do my own channel because I thought there's a gap in the market here for people in London, for people in the UK um, to get someone like me to speak for them because although there are a lot of similarities, there are a lot of things that are different. For example, a lot of the curly hair brands that you see now in the UK, when I started, they weren't available here. And it wasn't until they saw the growth of the UK natural hair industry, they all decided to come into the UK and now they're in UK stores. So um, I like to think that I contributed to the merge of the UK and the US scenes, but still to this day, I usually get a lot of my um, inspiration from the US brands and um, it's grown bigger here in the UK, but still we, in every single thing, music, fashion, we all look to the US. So going back to the, your uh, your blog, I think this is an important uh, element of your, your 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 story. And I myself, I, I tend to encourage the audience to you know consider uh, blogging and writing. Um, I think it's a great way to support a brand. Um, and then sometimes it also ends up being the um, the 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 leading factor or the determining factor in in somebody's brand. And I think that's true in your case. So um, I, I'd like to hear about your your your, your social presence uh, on that blog. And how you were able to, you know, leverage that and be able to take the product to the market, and how it, I guess, uh, helped uh, helped accelerate your growth. Yeah, definitely. So um, I started off with blogging. I had a, like an actual website that I was writing blogs and posting my pictures and before and afters, along with my Instagram page. Um, but for a long time, I actually didn't connect the oh so curly and the uk curly girl pages just because i i don't know why i just felt like people would maybe not like me advertising my own brand or would be put off because of it so for years i didn't actually show that i was the person behind it 
Um, but it wasn't until I actually did post it and put it out there that I saw a huge um, increase in sales and followers um, just because I think customers like to see the person behind the brand and they trust in my advice over the years. They've seen my hair be really, really damaged and get to the length and the health that it is now. So personally, I feel like having a, a blog or just a presence as a founder on social media is, is going to really benefit you when it comes to launching your brand. I always, when I give advice to other business owners, I always tell them to show their face and show behind the scenes because it's really going to help um, gain trust with the customers. Right. And I think it also, it makes a big difference, um, especially because of the, uh, of the personal and intimate nature of, of the product. Um, I mean, hair is something very, very close to us and it's because it's you know physically on us. And, and I think the difference between having, you know, somebody who is in, 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 and also you're technically modeling the product too, yeah. right? Because you're, you're showing the results of it and you're showing the work done. So seeing, seeing that, I think, um, really, um, elevates the trust level uh, and also the the results of the product. So versus seeing just the, the product itself and not really being able to draw a connection between the product and the results of the product. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can get them, you can get models to do it, but again, being, being the founder and, you know, having that personal connection to, to the product uh, elevates the story as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I feel like sometimes when it's just influencers on the page all the time, um, it can kind of feel not as genuine. Whereas if they see like the founder and you see the before and after how it's, how it's improved their life um, it definitely works, works well. And when, and when you were looking at other, sorry, if I'm, trying to figure out exactly how to uh, hair hair brands um uh, i guess in the usa uh did you notice one trend more than another where a lot of these uh, um, smaller brands or up-and-coming brands were um were based on uh, on a person or did you notice did you observe brands that were actually didn't do that but were still doing all right and maybe what what it was they were doing well that allowed them to continue to succeed anyways yes so i noticed that mainly they all had a female founder who was the face of that brand and we knew their story and they came from very humble beginnings, which I always loved um, and bought into. And then there were a few that didn't show the founder, but they had a huge presence on social media and they had every single curly hair influencer that you can think of using the products. So their page was just full of every single blogger that you can think of using the product. So it was one of one of the two really but I felt like where I already have a following as a founder it would be best for me to kind of share my story too just so I know when did you uh, start the blog like what uh, what what year did it start 2014 I think 2014, 2014. 2015. okay yeah so so it's been about seven years which in you know uh, online content time is an eternity <laughs> so that's that's what I'm wondering next is I guess um, what would you, what have you noticed to be the major changes in blogging compared to uh, now compared to when you started or some of the major shifts in, in trends or, um, just how people have, uh, have related to it or engaged with the blog over time? Yeah, definitely. I feel like the, the blog isn't as, um, popular as they were right in the beginning. Um, cause if you think about the, the customer journey, a lot of the people that are following me, they've already done their hair journey. So now it's just like, how, how do I maintain this health? And um, they don't really need the full detail and load on low down on what I actually did to get to that place. And now I've realized that 
it's mainly just really short videos that people engage with the most now. Whereas before it was a lot of um, YouTube videos that was me talking through what I was doing. But now it's just like, now I just want to see it really quickly. You've got the reels now, you've got YouTube shorts and everything's video form and um, people don't have as much patience as they used to. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to think that you can use uh, short videos to um, in- engage the audience. And then when you do have the ones that uh, are looking for more information, they might be the ones to then uh, come to the blog or come to watch uh, longer form content. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I've always been a fan of longer form content. Like if I, I'm scrolling through YouTube and I'm just looking for something to put on, I'm like, oh, that's six hours? I don't even know YouTube will last <laughs> for six hour content. And I throw that bad boy on and I just, you know, uh, I get to, get to what I'm up to. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like with um, hair tutorials as well, though, um, it's very, everything's been done already. So it's like that this whole industry needs to find exciting and new ways to um, engage people. So, um, yeah, we've all grown. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I, I guess innovation is a, is, a, is a tricky subject and you certainly uh, innovated in your way and you've, and you've contributed to, to the bigger picture. But I think from, just from what I've observed in the other, not, not, not just in, in the hair care, but also I guess in the, in the whatever personal um, body uh, care, I, I think the biggest um, place for innovation has been making it either more eco-friendly or more uh, environmentally conscious. So it hasn't been, so, I mean, I, th- I think the technical peak was reached. The problem is it was all chemical based and it was uh, dangerous to the body, harmful to the environment. So it's like, okay, let's try to now reach that same result, but in a way that's more equitable to all involved. I'm just wondering if you've kept your eye on it and have you seen other uh, major innovations that um, have even uh, surprised and delighted you? Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there's a lot of brands that aren't using packaging now as well for hair products, just to be more friendly to the environment. And um, being made in the UK is it's quite an attractive thing for customers too, and obviously vegan. So I like to point out a lot that our pillowcases and satin is vegan too. Yeah, I want to get into um, some of your uh, some of your strategies uh, in involving your involving your brand and how you convey things online. Um, so, so one thing that stuck out to me is that you know you have your two Instagrams. Uh, typically, when I'm looking up on uh, on my guest, I usually only find one. Either I find the company that they represent if they're you know an ambassador on behalf of a company, and I don't I don't know I can't find their personal Instagrams, or I'll find or when we speak to you know uh, drop shippers and. Um, or brand owners, it's usually I go onto their Instagram and, you know, they're, they're wearing sunglasses and they're just, you know, showing their, their, their results for the day. And it's all well and good, but I don't usually see two, you know, your personal one and your company one. There's the positives that I see is, you know, there's cross pollination and there's, I guess there's the ability, you know, you can use your personal one more casually and more, even more for, for fun, uh, even as a hobby at times. And then, you know, focus on what's, what's important for uh, building the brand on the other. Because uh, I think what happens is a lot of people get into this position where they have their personal Instagram and it's all they've got. And they feel pressure from having to convey the, their brand or something like that. Like my personal Instagram does not have anything to do with Debutify whatsoever. I have pictures of Fortnite. So it's just, <laughs> it's, just it's a different thing. So in your view, I'm, I'm wondering about the, the, the positives, what you've noticed about having the two Instagrams. And I guess I'm also wondering if there's any, if there's been any drawbacks as well, like if it's, if there's any like spreading yourself thin or if saturating content or anything along those lines. 
Yeah, definitely spreading myself thin. I, I always find that I, I take breaks from my personal one just because having to create content for the both can be a bit much sometimes. But at the same time, it's really helped. So I do try and keep up with it. Um, and I often find because I did, I started off doing a lot of curly hair tutorials and content um, that people are, are missing that a little bit. So I try to incorporate it with the oh so curly products just so I feel more okay I am doing that content to please them but I am still promoting my brand so it's just trying to incorporate them both but um to be honest with you it's still something I'm trying to figure out yeah well I I, so and like I said I I didn't want it to be all all um all glowing either because I think it's important if people are going to do this and it does take additional energy there's additional resources involved so it's a it's a balancing act between the two uh so and the other thing that stuck out to me too and I I mean I use Instagram a a, a decent amount and I, and I know that there's you know there's reels there's, there's your photos uh but I've never seen a guide uh, I I looked at your Instagram that was actually the first time that I saw a guide. Um, and so I, I, and I looked it up and, you know, sequence of photos and my memory is kind of blanking on me. I think there was text in between the two and it was a pretty digestible way to maybe not uh, have all the answers, but at least know like, okay, well, here's, here's the basics of it. Here's uh, how I can, how I can get started. And so I, I, I'd like to know what kind of traction you, you got from that. If you can tell from the back end, but, um, what were the results of it? Yeah, I feel like with the guide thing, it's like Instagram kind of made that feature, but it's not useful at all. I don't think people go out of their way to read guides on Instagram. I've had a few notifications on it, but I don't I don't really know how it's doing exactly. I don't know. I think people are featured um focus more on reels now on IGTV. But I thought when it came, I might as well try it and test it out. But to be honest with you, I haven't seen any benefits from it. <laughs> but it's nice okay, to yeah, hear that, that you that, that, it liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, luckily, it's it's part of my 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 role here. You know, I get the time to to do my my research and just see and 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 I see. That's the thing I have about Instagram, and this is an issue that I have with platforms in general. Is the more that they that they add different forms of content, um, the more addicted I am, but also the less I I, I don't know. I appreciate it. It's like. If you look at Twitter, the character limit increased. And then now I think Twitter is doing stories as well. Facebook is just a buffet. It's like it's got everything. And and I and I and I feel like that changes the relationship of the person to the to the to the platform. Instagram, I knew Instagram as a photo sharing app. And now I I mean, if I'm if I'm on it, I'm almost exclusively looking at reels and stories. And I and I barely scan through images. So I I, I get I, I mean at this point I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just ranting. And I guess the issue with guides in particular is the mindset that people are when they're on Instagram. I think for the most part, Instagram is really a you know you can you can disagree if uh, if you feel uh, I'm wrong about this, but it's, to me it's really a a luxury app a platform. It's really just about you know seeing beautiful places, beautiful people, uh, cars, um, uh, updates from you know Fortnite, and <laughs> and I think it's very difficult to turn it into a um, an educational platform, even in in a small uh, uh, format. Incidentally, TikTok, which is half the length, um, has actually managed to become somewhat of an educational platform because. People just do these bite-sized videos where they're pointing to like a bunch of steps. Like, here's the things you eat in the morning. This, this, <laughs> yeah. this, this, and this. And like, oh, wow, that's actually, 
a lot of information in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think it, it depends the niche that you're in as well, because I've kind of gone more into teaching other people how to start businesses and stuff. I do find that Instagram does have that same theme as TikTok within Reels and IGTVs. And I see uh, the people that I follow do a lot of lives daily, just giving out advice. And, you know, now we've got like the badges um, feature. So a lot of people are taking advantage of going live. So I think it just depends on what you're interested in and what your niche is, but there's definitely space for a lot of education on, on Instagram. Yeah. Have you, have you used a IGTV? I don't even know what I, I don't even know how that, what, what's the difference between that one and a reel. Yeah. So IGTV is like, um, Instagram's tried to compete with YouTube a few years ago. So it's just simply a video that's longer than one minute. Um, you even get ads in IGTVs now. But I, I, I find that reels are more effective than IGTV. So I try and stick to reels if possible or go in live. Okay. Um, and you mentioned um, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your course and uh, that's been a much more in, involved method to, 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 to teach people. So uh, I believe that it's a, it's a business course, right? To, to help people start up their own uh, brands as well. So, I mean, you can't divulge the whole thing because, you know, it's uh, to, your, to, your, uh, to your benefit not to do that. But we, I, we do want to know what it is, uh, what it's about, what it runs through, and if any case studies, if anything uh, sticks out to you of uh, what people have, uh, what results people have experienced coming out the other side. Yeah, so um, I launched just two months ago. The course is called How to Start a Product Business from Scratch. So it's basically going to teach you how to, all of the steps that I went through, um, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. So I'm just trying to help people to avoid those costly mistakes. And it comes to um, trying out samples and getting product from China and all the fees that come with it, um, which I was burnt with a lot during my journey. Um, we talk through how to actually operate your business, posters, posters and packaging, marketing your business on social media, um, your website, pretty much everything. Um, so if you are someone that is thinking about starting a business or you've tried to start, but you just, you're not sure where to even um, begin, that's what this course is for. And um, I've actually had a testimonial come in from a lady who is starting a fitness brand. So she has um, the bands that you use to exercise to help with the glutes and, and the legs. And she found that it really helped her a lot, especially with the manufacturing side of things, because she had no idea where to get the product or how to even start with that. So um, that's really helped her. And I've also got now a coaching group called Boss Up Mentoring. And I have like a selection of entrepreneurs in a private group and we have monthly calls and access to a group WhatsApp where I just give out advice here and there. Um, So that's been going really well as well. Can't help but ask because you mentioned on uh, AliExpress that, uh, you know, or so I think you said Alibaba mm-hmm. and you said you were burned on some of the products. And I may have taken that literally oh, uh, no, no. <laughs> to the point where actually. <laughs> no, um, just the, the costs that come with it. Like you, you'll buy stock and then a month later you get burnt with customs charge, <laughs> which if you don't know about that in the beginning, you can be quite shocked and not even know how to pay for it. So. This is just one small part of the of the course that I guess I would like to uh, uh, divulge, but it's the only other one I'll ask, um, which is when it comes to um, uh, you know looking for products in the in the uh, instance of um, looking for the exercise. What product sources are you, or what suppliers or websites are you uh, looking into these days that you find are reliable? 
And so I still use Alibaba um, I, I, AliExpress, but I find that for my type of business, because I'm very like branded and need a lot of stock, I, I usually sit to Alibaba. But I try to also research manufacturers here in the UK. But I do find that the price is way higher than buying from outside. So it's, it's a prices is higher in the UK than to purchase from the oh, outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. You would always think that because it's closer proximity that it would offset in some way, either shipping times or or something along those lines, or at the very least, a, a better uh, quality product. But it's that's that's the thing is that uh, China is just leading the way. They they they've got the infrastructure for it, and they're and, and they can self fund. So they just yeah, it's, it's just they're just really hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, I like to stay with the UK for our satin accessories because I'm very high on the quality for those. But for tools and stuff like that, I'd definitely stick with China because the UK is just so high. Now that Shopify has upgraded to version 2.0, we needed to make sure we were up to speed. So we've released version 4.0 to ensure that we're 100% equipped to take advantage of the 2.0 revolution. If you haven't upgraded your store, head on over. And if you haven't gotten started, now's as good time as any. So my next question is about uh, advertising. I mean, we've we've talked somewhat about your promotional um, strategy so far. You know, you, you, you have your blog, you're on Instagram, you're on Instagram twice. Um, but I, I guess the other thing is also, I'm just curious about like if you're running ads, say like are you running ads on Facebook or Google or if different, what platforms have been uh, receptive to the kind of ads you want to run? If I'm, I don't know if you're running them or, or not. Yeah, I, I just dabbled into Facebook ads last month. So um, on Isocurly, I've been running a few ads and just trying to test the, the right audiences. I've been getting some sales in, so I'm just still in that testing stage, which is difficult. It is very difficult, um, but we'll see how it goes. I, I've spent most of my like marketing budget on influencer marketing. Yeah, and I, I wanted to ask you that as well about uh, negotiating and working with influencers. How do you uh, how do you seek them out? So, and that's the other thing that I was wondering about too with influencers, because influencers have got to be one of the most powerful tools um, in your arsenal. And I, along the same lines as too, of like user generated content and affiliate marketing, which I also want to know about. So, I want to know how you, uh, I mean, where you're looking for influencers, how you're vetting them, and I also th- this is a very specific curiosity in regards to. Um, the, the hair niche, which is if say they've already used other hair products, if that is an advantage or a disadvantage, just because if they're already, you know, maybe promoting another brand, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I guess in like in the clothing, for instance, no brand is expecting somebody to wear the same clothing all the time. Yeah. So it might be different in that niche. But I, I guess I'm just wondering more about like what uh, what kind of issues you've run into as well. Yeah, definitely. So um, I, I think I kind of had an advantage in the beginning because I was an influencer and I knew I've even met influencers in New York um, and obviously within London and the UK. So I already had a connection with some of them. So in the beginning, I managed to get a lot of the influencer content for free, just as favors. Um, and now we've evolved into paid marketing. So we usually vet most of our influencers via Instagram, just seeing what influencers are getting the most engagement at that time. Um, ones that I've actually interacted with us as well, because I, I tend to like to go to influencers that genuinely like our products before we even offer to you know work with them for what was the second question 
But you know, I mean, yeah, affiliate and user generated content is the is the other component of this too. Is you know the the, the customers how you're turning them into ambassadors and uh, and how you're using. I I I'm I think because I was looking at your at your Instagram and I'm pretty sure I was seeing um, some of your customers were images I posted on there. So, and, and this is, I think is one of the strengths and advantages of, um, uh, of self-care products is, you know, you, you can see the results, people are happy to share it and they can, and they can show the results for themselves. So I just want to know more about, you know, your UTC programs, affiliate marketing, anything along those lines. Yeah, definitely. So I started off with a brand ambassador program, which was just managed by me. I just put it out there and asked if anyone would be interested in being a brand ambassador. And they would just post, um, I'd send them products for free and then they'd just post on their page for free. Um, and now we have more of an affiliate program. So um, bloggers will get paid or even customers, if I feel like they are actually going to create content with the product, they'll get paid from every sale that they make, which has been going quite well, especially for the larger influencers that we work with. I find that you'll pay them to do content but because they've got that affiliate link, they end up doing a lot more content on their own, off their own back, um, which is really good for us. Um, and then I feel like what helped us in the beginning, I'll give a tip is we used to do something called follower Friday, where we would actually post some of our followers on our page. And it just used to really make them feel seen and excited. And I think that's what really helped us to build a community in the first place. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd advise that for anyone who's just starting out. Yeah, okay, I can see the the value in that because it gives people something to anticipate, um, so that they you know on Friday the community comes together. And are and are you seeing a community is is forming and bonds are forming uh, amongst your customers? Yeah, so we just started something else called um, it's our secret close friend story. So our like top um, engaging followers and customers. We'll add them to our close friend story. And then on our close friend story, we'll post any updates or exclusive sales. So it's just, again, something to make them feel more special than everyone else. So something that I, that I look into in regards to affiliate marketing is the, the, the pricing structure. So I, I guess for me, one of the things that I always found, I guess, difficult to reconcile about affiliate links is, so, so say I do a blog or, or I, I'm doing it or doing images, video, um, whatever it is. And I have the affiliate link and they click it and they go and they purchase the product and then I'm getting the commission for it. And it seems like the customer in order to really incentivize them to click the link from the affiliate rather than from then going to the store themselves. And I guess bypassing the affiliate link is for the link to have some form of, uh, even a discount or a coupon, even if it's like 5%, do you, are the affiliate links, do you provide uh, coupons or discounts for the, uh, for those promotions? Yeah, so the customer gets ten percent off um, if they use the the um, influencers code. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm I'm always, I'm always wondering about that just to just because it's it's just a different means and it's an investment on your part, but you're getting a lot of extra customers, a lot of extra activity uh, for that. And so once, and I would imagine that once they're there, repeat purchases are now all on uh, all on your business. And it's also good research for us as well, just to see what influencers have the most influence. And um, so it's always cool to see who's using the most codes per influencer. Okay. Well, that was, uh, that was all the questions that I had in regards to, um, into your business operation, a lot of good insights. Uh, so for our audience, always important to think about these different strategies. And so one of the, th- the terms that you used, um, earlier on was a uh, hair journey. 
And and I guess I without realizing it, I had told you my hair journey at, at the beginning. And and you know, it's still a, a little ongoing. Um, I'm you know, I'm going to the uh, mall later today for the for a dental appointment. So uh, we'll see how the how much the diffusers are. Uh, and I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering about the overall philosophy of a, of a hair journey, because I don't know, journeys usually, they uh, can, they infer that there's a destination where people, they really find like a hairstyle that they really like, and they want to stick to. Um, w- with me, I'm, I, I just, just kind of like best case scenario. I'm just, I was just trying to get it to, to, to look good. It, it, it wasn't like I was inspired by anime characters or Final Fantasy or anything like that. No, it's just people who like comb their hair back. And you, you, you know, you talked about your hair journey as well. Do you feel like hair journeys is about finding a destination or is it more of like an ongoing exploration or on a continued reflection of, uh, of who you are? I think um, the, the whole natural hair journey is definitely getting to end destination. And that's one of just understanding how to look after your hair what products are going to benefit your hair and um, just grow in your natural hair back. Cause a lot of us relaxed our hair, which is putting the chemicals on it to just straighten it. Just because growing up, I find that a lot of the princesses and Disney have long straight hair. And if you're someone with curly hair, you didn't really have anyone to look to that looks like you, um, which I'm so happy that that's changed. Now we have a lot more um, princesses with curly hair and a lot more influencers and celebrities wear their natural hair now. Um, but I feel like for our generation, we needed that transformation. We needed the roadmap on how to go from that damage and just get back to natural and learn to love your natural hair. So for me, the journey was loving my natural hair, but also loving myself as well. Cause when you're in the process, it's having to remove those negative thoughts about, Oh, I hate my hair. It's frizzy. It's always dry. And then just learn how to maintain your natural hair and learn to love it how it is naturally. Yeah, because I, I, I guess I didn't think about that because you know I don't spend too much time uh, being influenced by Disney princesses. You know, they, they, <laughs> they put they put videos on in elementary school. Okay, we'll we'll watch it. But uh, one one very proud moment is that the entire class just refused to watch all of Snow White. Like we cut like after <laughs> the first thirty minutes. Um, so so that was a proud day. And but uh, yeah, you're right. There there hasn't been that many um i guess cultural uh, influences uh you either had like you know the the, the straight or the uh, you know tied up hair like they're going to a ball or you had like you know princess leia and her you know i i don't think anybody would go to school um with that look at least intentionally the only <laughs> character that i can think of off the top of my head was um merla from brave the, uh, the yeah, Pixar movie she, she's a redhead big ones. curly yes. hair yeah yeah and then there's another princess i think it was like a princess and the frog um i forgot her name but that was a newer one as well i, I think it's the the frog princess because it's yeah, more like um yeah like a louisiana um yeah um, the bayou a vibe yeah mm-hmm. so usually what i try to do depending on um the 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 content uh or the, the context of, of the conversation uh try saying that five times uh i I'm always I, I I try to avoid like going too far into backstory at the beginning. Um, so obviously we did the, we did the product backstory, um, but your personal backstory too is is interesting. And my producer Micah, uh, this is my, one of my favorite things that she does as a favor is uh, she goes on to the LinkedIn. I'm paranoid. I can't go on LinkedIn. I can't. I just I I don't like the fact that LinkedIn is say, oh this person so and so built your profile. I'm like don't do that. To me. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just, I can't, I can't, I can't stand it. Um, so she, she does it because uh, she has more of a spine than I do. <laughs> what I, what I saw was, you know, you have a vast array of positions and a lot of experiences and, um, and a lot of it is like television and, f- and film and media adjacent. Um, I, not, to my recollection, I don't know if you had actually you know, been on camera or anything like that, but what I, what I'd like to know about, there's two things I'd like to know about your, your, your work background. Um, one of them was, whether it was iterative or if there if it was lateral and what i mean by that is if you were able to build off of each experience you know it, it, it would come with you and uh, not dissimilar to you know a house being built one brick at a time um or if you were it was more of different pillars like one pillar uh boosted your experience in one area and then you had to kind of start from scratch at a different area so i i myself like i've had a lot of different work experiences but some of it is like a grocery store and there's not a lot of experience from the grocery store that carries over into what I'm doing now, much to my, to my dismay. So I'd love to hear about that. And I'd like to hear about some of the you know major milestones or what from your experience really sticks out in your mind, even to this day. Yeah, definitely. So I, um, I started off wanting to be in media so bad. Like, um, I auditioned for, there's a place called the Brit school here in the UK. Amy Winehouse went there. Adele went there. Um, it was mainly like singing, dancing, but there was a sector for media and they had like a radio station that you could work in and a TV studio and I managed to get in. So after there, I went to university to study film and TV um, went into it as an intern. I interned at MTV and a lot of other production companies, but I didn't enjoy it at all. And that's when it was just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I ended up working because I needed money um, at Tesco, which is kind of like a Walmart, like a supermarket. Yeah, I, it's, it's come up in my research uh, earlier on. I was looking at what are the major um, outlets, not research for you, but like my research in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing that. I, I don't know. I, at first I thought, it's Tesco. I think that's butter. <laughs> yeah, I confused it with something else. Yeah, no. It's, it's pretty much one of the biggest ones here. And they have a clothing department. So I used to work in the clothing department, but it was right next to the health and beauty aisle. So naturally, it, I did night shifts. So when it was quiet, I'd find myself in the health and beauty aisle looking at the hair products. But notice that there was never anything for my hair type. So I feel like my whole journey has led up to this moment because that's when I kind of realized, hold on, there's a gap in the market here. Um, I didn't enjoy my job. So I was trying to look for something that I could do. Why not fill the gap in the market? So I'm sure at the time I didn't think it would work out this way, but I feel like everything that I have done, even the film and TV, I film my YouTube videos now. So I know how to edit. Everything came from that naturally. So Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're, um, experience in your supermarket actually did have uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, have, have an impact in me. I, I I can't say that other than my back hurts. Like that's all I really got <laughs> for, uh, from that. Well, that's uh, th- that's pretty much everything that I've that I've got um, uh, prepared for you today. Before I do our, our wrap up question, um, I'll, I'll leave the floor open to you. If there's anything else that you'd like us to know about your business, maybe I missed uh, missed a spot, or if there's a rock I forgot to upturn, something along those lines. Uh, I'd like to hear about you know what. In in like a in a grand perspective, you really like to see either you know change within the you know the, the self care products, and by that I include hair, I include skin, all of that stuff. Uh, what you'd like to see in the e commerce space, or what's kind of like either like what's exciting you, what's scaring you. I'd, I'd love to hear what what are your views are on that in that in that area. Yeah, I think um, 
Well, leading back to what we just talked about with Tesco, I feel like for me with my brand, my like full circle moment would be if we could be in Tesco actually on the shelf. So that's one of my main goals with the brand. But um, at the moment, I'm just trying to figure out some new um, products that I can invent again, because we do sell a lot of products that are already available on the market, but I want to invent something new again so I'm working on that and then um, we'll be launching a kids line as well so I really want to get into kids hair care and educating the future generation on natural hair Um, but I would love to see hair accessories and tools for natural hair available in your everyday stores so we've got better with hair actual products like shampoo conditioner and stuff but the accessories and tools still not available so I hope to fill that gap all right. Oh, I, actually, I guess uh, that was uh, w- one thing I forgot. See, there was a stone I forgot to upturn, which is because um, I think some of your products are available in stores. Am I right? Yeah. So we have some in the smaller, like niche stores that sell like natural hair products here in the UK and some online retailers as well, but they're very catered to curly hair. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure I checked that one. Yeah. All right. Well, um, well, well Shannon, it's been, it's been great talking to you today. Um, you too. as always, any chance I get to, uh, learn a little bit more about my hair, I take it. And so that was, uh, that's definitely my, uh, one thing that's helped me out today and, and, and to our audience as always, um, even if you yourself, you might not, um, be interested in one niche or than other, um, you should still be paying very careful attention to a lot of the key strategies and a lot of the elements that go into making a business work. So with that, Shannon, um, the final wrap up question is if you have say words of wisdom, or if there is like a quote or a proverb that you really like, you're welcome to share it and then let the audience know how they can, um, find you either, Maybe they need to go get something for their hair or they want to learn more about you on the, on the business side. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to share something that I'd actually shared on my page. Um, It was a quote that I thought was really good because I know for me, it's taken me quite a long, a long time to get to where I am now. Whereas I think some people it can be quicker, but a lot of people, it puts them off. So um, my quote was um, just to keep going um, it may take you four, five, seven years, but you never know that one year later could be the year that you blow up and you're the biggest brand in the world. So just to keep going and keep that faith. Yeah. When I, 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 I think I've heard that quote in the past and when I do, it reminds me of this image where you have two people who are digging a tunnel and one person yes. is just about to hit and there's a bunch of diamonds on the other side and the other person, you know, walks away dejected. Yeah. So yeah, like as, as long as you can dig, keep on digging. Yeah. I love that. I love that image as well. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at UK curly girl. And then the business is at OSO curly, OSO curly. And um, the website for the business is OSO curly.com. And then you can also find my course details and any details on coaching via the UK Curly Girl page. Oh, and YouTube, UK Curly Girl too. Excellent. And so and so with that, um, once more, I, I thank you graciously for your time and your expertise today. You're welcome. It was lovely to have this talk with you. And I hope that you get a diffuser. I'd love to hear how it goes. I'm not ruling it out, but I also don't want to make any promises. <laughs> To my audience, as always, it is an honor and a privilege to be able to collect this information and share it with all of you. So thank you for all of you for your participation. And we look at the stats. Y'all listen through the episodes start to finish. 
I just want you to know that, that means a lot because a lot of people are struggling to keep people after the 20 minute mark. So uh, thank you all for being uh, engaged and please, please, please. I want to know who you are and what you're up to as well. So email podcast at debutify.com and get in touch. I'm more than happy to even share my expertise with you guys. So with that, take care and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might've found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.